Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's always our privilege and a pleasure to welcome you to the program. Please stay with us for the whole hour. We have a very interesting study today, which may concern probably everyone listening today, because we are going to talk about death in a sinful world. And we'll learn some important lessons today. I'd like to welcome our panel, and I would like to say hello and welcome to to the panel. Denise, you are for the first time today, and uh, it's our privilege to welcome you in. Thank you, Nick. Jerry, it's good to have you back with us. Great to be back again, Nick. Joe, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to be here, Nick. Thank you. Brenton, thank you for being part of this panel again. Happy to be part of it, Nick. A very important subject today that we're studying. Lija, thank you for joining. Always a pleasure and a blessing. Len, thank you for also being part of the panel today. As always, thank you for the welcome and hello, listeners. As you can see, listener, we have a quite full panel, but we have also Ken, which is good to have you with us. Well, thank you, Nick. Always a privilege to be here. Thank you for uh, preparing this um, study for today and facilitating. Uh, I will just uh, ask you to take us through, please. Thank you, Nick. And hello, listeners. We're looking today at death in a sinful world. Christ was the divine agent through whom God brought the universe and the world into existence. But when God the Father conferred special honor on Christ and announced that they together would create the world, Lucifer was envious and jealous of Jesus Christ and plotted against him. Having been cast out of heaven, Satan decided to destroy the happiness of Adam and Eve on earth and thereby cause grief in heaven. He imagined that if he could in any way beguile them to disobedience, God would make some provision whereby they might be pardoned and then himself and all the fallen angels would be in a fair way to share with them of God's mercy. Fully aware of Satan's strategy, God warned Adam and Eve not to expose themselves to temptation. This means that even when the world was still perfect and blameless, there were already clear restrictions for human beings to follow. This week, we will reflect on the fall of Adam and Eve, on how sin and death took over our world and how God planned a seed of hope for humanity even back in Eden. Joe, would you pray for us before we get started? Sure. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your love, your word and the spirit of truth that you've promised would lead us into an understanding of truth. We pray that you will enlighten our minds and And we pray for a special blessing on all who are listening and considering this topic as well. We often struggle to understand the things that happen in this world and why things are so. So now be with our number and bless us with your presence as we discuss these things and consider your word. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Jerry, you have an interesting statement. Would you start us off with that? Yeah. The world as it came from the Lord was perfect. Death was an unknown experience for Adam and Eve. In that context, God came to the Garden of Eden and warned, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. And as you, as you look at that whole concept of in the day you eat of it, you shall die. I, I asked myself, what did it actually mean to them if God didn't somehow convey in a way that they understood what death meant? Because we, we've just looked at the Garden of Eden as being a perfect place uh, as it came from God's hand and that death was an unknown experience. So if you look at that statement in isolation, it would have meant nothing to them had God not explained to them in a way that they were able to comprehend what that meant. If everything's perfect, you have a perfect connection with your creator and with the person who's with you and with your physical environment. You have no concept of death. So for them to have an intelligent understanding of what God meant, he must have been able to package it or explain it in in such a way that they understood. So on the one hand, you have the freedom to choose everything, as far as eating freely of every tree of the garden, but there is a restriction. And um, they must have been able to understand that intellectually. Liam, how did things go wrong? Well, it's interesting that the Bible gives us a totally different idea of origins because when God created the world, he created it very good. And on the other hand, evolution says things are getting better. Well, my observation is that things are not getting better. Anyhow, when God created uh, the world and he placed in the garden the first two inhabitants, and he says or said to Adam, and I'm reading this from Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, he said, You're free to eat from any tree of the garden, but... You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, from when you, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. All right, now enters the villain, Satan in the form of the serpent. is in that tree, probably munching away on some of the fruit. Now, I'm including that just as uh, the Bible doesn't actually say it. But now I'm going to read from Genesis 3, verses 1 to 5. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say... You must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will surely die. Ha! You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, probably holding out a piece of fruit that he was had half. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's, knowing good and evil. The question is, Why? Did God place that tree in the middle of the garden? Did he do it in order to just test them? Well, he did it out of a different sort of a motive because we were talking last week about love and how love cannot be expressed unless there's a choice. And he had to place that there. Otherwise, Adam and Eve would have been kind of robots. And you know, sin is also expressed through choice. 
So God put that tree there in order to demonstrate his love and to give mankind free choice. And we who've succeeded, Adam and Eve, still have that free choice. We can choose to serve God or we can choose not to. Leecher, do you have a comment? Yes, I think it's worthy to mention the fact that there was nothing poisonous in, in the fruit itself and the sin was not merely yielding to appetite, but it was the distrust of God's goodness, disbelief of his word and rejection of his authority. Nick? And I just would like to add also something here. We're talking about uh, death in a sinful world. Now, probably many people will not even associate death with sin. We'll just believe, okay, death is something which we experience in life and this is how it is. Maybe many people in this world will not associate that with sin, which is very interesting thing because we are presenting today from the Bible what the Bible has to say about sin. And if you look into this topic, you'll understand and make sense of the hardship, the struggle, death, all those things as a result of sin. But those people who may not believe in God, they still experience death. And with what you can associate that, that's another story, maybe another time to talk. But I just thought I will mention this because not everyone is associating that with sin. Thank you, Nick. There is another interesting point about this temptation that we sometimes miss. Joe, would you like to look at this one? Yes, actually. Uh, it was interesting that um, Eve was alone at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that was in itself not ideal. It might have been better that they were both together for moral support. But having said that, sometimes the company we keep can make it easier for us to slip up. But in this case, the outcome of this conversation with the serpent might have been different had they been together. The important point here is that Lucifer, I'm sure, had been watching the pair and noticing their individual uniqueness, differences, inclinations, and he tailored his approach for her as he saw her lingering, looking at the tree, factoring in her love of beauty and natural inquisitiveness. He appealed to her senses and the evidence before her, the fact that death had not occurred and there was no evidence of you know, existence of death. Um, and I guess this will be further developed in our discussion later. And some may have said, well, it was the woman. Now, we've heard this, haven't we? It was the woman, more weaker-minded than Adam. You know, Adam would have just been able to resist this. And I think we've heard this over and over again through the centuries and probably millennia. We need to remember that they were both perfect. There was no weakness. There was no weak-mindedness. Had Adam approached the tree, there might have been a slightly different conversation, a custom-made one for Adam. Now, we know that Satan uses sophistry and guile to manipulate his hearer. And I think the important thing is that we need to remember that the same thing happens today. Our temptations are custom made for us, taking in our past experiences, our inclinations, our cultivated and inherited weaknesses. And I guess another point that I'd like to mention is this is probably the first recorded medium taking place. Uh, Satan was using the snake as a medium to confuse and disarm Eve. And we know that this is something that goes on even today. 
Thank you, Joe. That's a really interesting point you brought up that the uh, temptations we have today are custom made for each and every one of us because Satan knows us all very well. Also, Joe is mentioning something uh, quite interesting that probably if Adam will be would have been together with um, Eve, the outcome could be different. And you mentioned a couple of things there, Joe, about uh, they were equal. I would like to also point out that um, probably because, as we know, Eve was taken out of uh, Adam and because God saw that it's not good for men to be alone, probably Adam should have be more caring or, uh, how to say, looking after the wife which was given to him and um, just because of uh, what you just said about being equal which i agree 100% but adam should have be more careful looking after his beautiful wife there interesting point nick Brenton, there were three basic principles shown which you have just spoken about what were these and i'll give them in order as um, as uh, as you've mentioned them there were three the first one is Human reason is not always a good way to evaluate spiritual matters. Illustration, Genesis 3 verse 6 tells you several things about, it mentions three things. We're going to come to that a bit later. But um, the word, the operative word, uh, the doing word in Genesis 3, 6 is the word before anything else, the word saw, S-A-W. She saw the tree that it was good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What she's using is her judgment against what God has specifically commanded. When you go back to Genesis 2, 16 and 17, the word God commanded the man. It doesn't say God suggested to the man or God hinted to the man. It says God commanded the man not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the word saw can be put alongside what you find in Genesis 1 in the creation account where God saw everything that he made that it was good. It seems as though she is usurping the creator's oversight in this matter and determining that her judgment as to whether she eats of it or not will be based on what she thinks is appropriate rather than what God has commanded. Now, we still face that principle today because the Bible in many areas, Ken, is very, very clear on um, what God has asked us to do. In other areas, not so clear. But in the major things of life that, shall we say, lead us to eternal life, it is very, very clear what God is asking us to do. But we still have a choice. And if we exercise the choice the way she did, uh, we're going to go wrong. The second point about the word of God appears to be a bit difficult at times. Um, I'm constantly reminded of a comment that, Moses said, I think in the book of Deuteronomy, where he said, these commands and statutes I give you this day are for your benefit. I'm not quoting it word for word, so that you may live a long and fruitful life. What is required here is when God's commands appear to be maybe not logical to our thinking, remember our our logical thinking has been destroyed because of sin. We have a disrelish for that which is good and a relish for that which is not. So therefore, in determining things, we don't determine them on the basis of what does God see as being best first up. So when God's word says to do certain things and we choose not to do them, it's not because I don't know that it is because they're illogical. 
I think it's because they're not in harmony with what we would we would want to do. So part of being converted is having a change of mind. Paul talks in Romans twelve two about we have we have to have our mind renewed. He talks about the renewing of your mind. So a converted person is someone who sees things differently from what the average person around them does. The third point was there are things that are not evil or wrong in themselves. I agree with that. Uh, but God, really, if you look at what God did, he said you can eat of every fruit of the tree, of every tree in the garden except one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, Len touched earlier on on evil. What what was evil? Did they know what evil was or not? Really, or what Satan through the serpent is offering them is nothing. He has offered them nothing. God has given them everything. He's created them. He's created the garden. He's created the fruit trees. He's created everything. What is the devil offering? He's simply offering an opportunity to go beyond what God has already said. But really, he's not offering them anything. When they get to it, as we'll find out further in our discussion, they'll realise that what he was offering them was nothing. Len, you have a comment? Well, it's very easy to rationalise our actions. Yes. I noticed the other day on the ABC News there was an article about the increase in shoplifting, particularly in Tasmania. And I guess people reason this way. Okay, I'm hungry. I haven't got much money, therefore I'll steal. That's the way it can be rationalised. That kind of rationalising does not take into consider whether it's right or wrong. Mm. And in this case, I think Eve rationalised, as um, Satan sort of presented it to her, well, the food is edible, it looks good, why shouldn't I eat it? The problem was... She was told, and Adam was told, no, you're not to eat that fruit. It was a test for them. Nick? Yes, hmm. just um, to add what Brenton actually was presenting there and Len also supporting, that there were some rules. Now, again, we have to think of this. This was in a perfect environment still, which suggests that even in heaven there are rules, there were rules before, and there will be rules. There will be things which we need to follow. I will give an example. In the Bible says that on the new earth, every new moon on every Sabbath will come together, um, you know, to worship the Lord and so on and so forth. What that uh, means, and pray to God that all of us will be there and many others, what about if we'll say, oh, no, I have another plan for this day. I'm going to visit another planet. Is that how it will work? I think there will be certain things in heaven which we will follow, which makes sense because people today, they don't want to hear that there is a law or there, there are rules. Because we are made with a free choice, then we can do whatever we like. That's what people will say. But it's not the case because we can see the consequences of our choices and because God knows far better the impact of the consequences he is presenting before us. And it's protecting, if you like, us through the law. Later, when Eve was tempted by the devil, it was much more desirable for her because, first of all, she saw beautiful creature in the tree. Satan, as Lucifer, before his falling, 
he worked very hard on this plan as how to do it to achieve his plan because he, he worked on his own. He was very crafty. He was very wise and he didn't want to fail. He was sure that the plan that he made will get go forth. First of all, he he went against God. He wanted to be to take God's place. Secondly, he wanted to remove Jesus from the throne, and uh, because he didn't achieve these two things, he failed. He was thrown out of the heaven, and now he saw that the first pair, the first creatures of God, got God's attention. He got so jealous that he wanted to destroy the relationship between God and this first pair. Mm -hmm. And now all his target was on this pair. And uh, he put it in it, all his wisdom, all his craftiness. So the temptation over there for Eve was very, very big, very big temptation. Jerry, Eve known what she knew from God, how did Satan tempt her? That's a good question, actually, uh, Ken, because I think when you look at uh, chapter 2 of Genesis in verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. We've read this verse. It's very clear, very clear what God said there very specific and um and then you read in chapter three how how satan casts doubt upon god's word and creates confusion in the mind of eve so he uses if you like a combination of cunning and deceit to start with and finally a direct attack on god's very clear and unambiguous statement as to what they could and couldn't do it's interesting how that works isn't it if you if you look at his first the first thing he says that in fact that should have been a red flag to start with where he starts interacting with uh, with Eve uh, and says um, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden it's it's almost like he's saying is that is that actually is that actually what God really said I don't know how the panel in uh, looks at that mm-hmm. statement you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. It's a subtle twist of what uh, God had said. And so she then makes the first mistake by answering him and starts to to reason, if you like, or engage in conversation. And she says, well, so she basically, she corrects him and says, no, we shall, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, so she reemphasizes what God said, you shall not eat of it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And it's interesting what he then says. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And that's that's often the way Satan works, isn't it? He he just adds a little bit of poison in the mix. In fact, what was the difference between what God had said and what he said? One one little word, but it changed the whole context. And um, yeah, it goes from bad to worse, because then she starts to, reason within herself maybe maybe there's something in it what you're saying so we go from satan twisting god's clear command 
to openly contradicting, basically accusing God of not telling the truth, of being a liar. So he projects something of himself onto God. And um, yeah, it's just a spiral, a downward spiral from there, isn't it? So we have to be aware and be alert to how Satan works. He'll pretend to come alongside and then before you realize it, you're in the trap. So we have to be very careful. That's, that's his modus operandi. Nick, you have a comment? Yeah, I just want to add to, to what Jerry said, um, that Satan was diverting the mind of Eve by saying, did God say not to eat from every tree? You know, he was not concentrating only on the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil where where they were having this discussion. But he's taking her mind away from that, talking about the whole garden, what God provided for them. And then she started to talk back to him on, the, on that regard. And maybe she just missed out to, to focus, as you just said, uh, Jerry, there, on the thing which is taking place right there mm-hmm. and putting some question marks Hey, I'm doing something here which God really uh, told us not to not to do. But because of diversion, he could find his way into her logic. And I mm. think this is very tricky even today. Can I just add uh, quickly that um, if we judge something by our personal observation, we could end up in a lot of strife. And often uh, people look at scripture like that. And they think, well, I think it means this, or I think it means that. My gut feeling tells me this is what it means. This is where God wants me to go. You have to be very careful. Like I said, God is very specific in chapter 2 and chapter 3, very specific as to what he told them. And I think we have to uh, look at the scripture as well and not, and not try and twist it and bend it to make it seem more appealing to us or what we think. Yeah. Liam. Why did Eve fall for Satan's deceit? Well, I'd like to answer this in terms of the psychology of temptation. I don't know if that's a proper term, but it sounds good to me. The psychology of temptation. Uh, When I'm watching TV, I generally turn the sound off when ads come along. But uh, let's say somebody's trying to sell a new car. First thing, thing they show a, a beautiful picture of it. Beautiful photography. Now, I've been a professional photographer and I can appreciate the photography goes into this. And then the people are told, yes, you can have this one and it's it's comfortable, etc., etc., and they outline all the good points. And they put in there so that the potential buyer is to be envied by others. In other words, they'll be cut above a cut above other people. So what happened with Eve? She saw this fruit, first of all. She saw that it was good for food. And as I suggested before, the serpent might have been munching on some of the fruit and he didn't die. Secondly, it looked nice. I mean, I look at a beautiful peach and I remember buying some fruit in in Canada one time. It looked really good, but it was horrible. (laughs) but this looked good and it obviously tasted good if the serpent was eating it and then there was the clincher 
He said it was desirable to make you wise, to be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, that was just a bit too much for Eve, and she fell for it. And of course, Adam, not being right there at the time, and Eve gave him some of the fruit. I don't know what went through his mind. Maybe he was struck by the fact that this was wrong, but there again... He probably loved his wife and decided, well, he couldn't live without her. So he took it too. And this, of course, is uh, the beginning of sin, original sin in planet Earth. Brenton, just a quick comment on what Lena said. Let me read this statement. It was not the will of God that the sinless pair should or have any knowledge of evil. He had given them the good and withheld the evil. I find that a very interesting comment. God did not see that it was appropriate or necessary for them to know what evil was. Look, one can speculate all your life. You can look at uh, all you like, I should say. You can speculate on what may have been had they not gone down that particular route. We don't know. There is a very interesting statement that um, I read recently, which I would like to share with you, and that is that God's original plan was if Adam and Eve had been faithful to him, he was planning to repopulate heaven with Adam and Eve's uh, descendants to take the place of Lucifer and his angels who were cast out of heaven. It's just one sentence in a, in a whole combination, but it's, it's a very interesting uh, uh, prophecy because right at the end of time, when God comes again, that's exactly what happens. Heaven is repopulated, or not repopulated, but heaven is added to by the sons and daughters of Adam who were saved by grace. So God's original plan will be brought into being. But isn't it interesting that God never intended they know what evil was? And this goes back to what happened in heaven, where Satan wanted to be, or well, Lucifer, as he was then known, he wanted to be involved in the many discussions that God and Christ were having together. They were discussing the creation of this world. So what we've touched on so far covers it pretty well. He wanted to wreck God's creation. He wanted to create discord where there'd been harmony. He wanted to, to create his own system rather than the perfection that God had put in place at creation. I think, Brenton, actually that's a really interesting point that uh, if we look at the Bible, God always provides first and there's always love. Yes. Anything else. And also something mentioned earlier on, uh, that there's order in the universe. Everything is in order. It's not by chance. And that's the way God operates. I think I need to say this here. Brenton said something there uh, interesting that I will put it um, in some different words, that even though God may not want them to experience the Evil. The evil, I believe God explained to them what that means. Because God said not to eat from the tree of uh, knowledge of good and yeah. evil, because in the day you'll eat, you'll die. Now, they must have some question marks there. What is that, God? What does that mean? Mm. And I believe this is important. God explained what bad is, but obviously he didn't want them to experience that I believe, yeah, we need to make that um, uh, clearer because 
make sense. Uh, and I tried to touch on that in, in uh, my introduction as well. Yes, you did. It's, it's difficult to get your head around, isn't it? But um, considering especially the consequences of, um, if you like, going your own way, drifting away from God, doing the opposite to what God explicitly told them to do and what their privileges were, we know what the consequences are. We experience it on a day-to-day basis. We know what death is. They hadn't seen that before. So, True. you know, how would they possibly have put that together or understood had God not in some way uh, been able to convey to them what that was? Yeah, it's a good Bill, point. Got a comment? I think that something that we need to keep in mind is that taking all factors into consideration, the fact that they didn't, un- they had limited understanding of a death and pain. Satan himself had not seen death, had not, mm-hmm. you know, it, He'd only seen life and happiness. Yes, there was conflict in heaven, but no one really understood. He he was the personification of evil at that stage. And so taking to the fact that they had limited experience, we don't know how how fresh they were, how wobbly their spiritual and moral legs were at the time. But taking everything into consideration, the, the fact that there was a beautiful serpent talking to them that, you know, aesthetic issues that there were dietary issues and all that and logic and they she she was not tempted beyond what she could endure the bible promises promises that and it wouldn't have been fair of god and i have heard people say now why why were they exposed to this this was just too hard you know that you know what were their chances you know we've got the sophisticated serpent um the devil himself speaking to them she was not tempted beyond what she could have endured she could have easily um turned away she had the strength the moral strength to say in her heart to reason that while i don't understand all the whys and wherefores i think i will trust my creator and i will turn around and walk away i know it sounds simple as that but she could have done that and um and we can too joe (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And we need to remember that our temptations are more than are not more than we can endure. I think she gave in too quickly. <laughs> I think the devil was surprised how easily she fell. <laughs> he probably thought there was going to be a bigger fight on his hands. Now, some of our lis- listeners may be thinking that all knowledge is good to know. But look what happened when man learned how to split the atom. There are forces out there that only God knows how to control. The weather is another one. There's no doubt mankind is very clever, but we cannot understand or control everything. On the other hand, God has made many things clear to us. Leecha. Yes, we can read in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 17, that after God created the man and the woman and they placed them in the Garden of Eden, And uh, God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So God didn't mention that you may die or, you know, he was very certain he used the word, you will surely die. So certainty, God's word has authority. 
So when he said something, he knew what he was saying because he was the creator. Mm. Yes, that's such an important point. It is such a pity today that so many people believe we all have an immortal soul and as such we will live forever. Nothing could be further from the truth and you will not find this anywhere in your Bible. Nick, is this an is this important about the soul? Ken, I believe we need another program for this topic. It's a, a huge topic about the soul. But in just in few words, I would like to mention this and probably uh, read a passage in the Bible in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 6, which says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead knows nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. The Bible is very clear that uh, when we die, we know nothing. Uh, Many parts of the Bible, uh, and Jesus himself spoke about this, that that is like a sleep. Now, when you are... uh, Sleeping. Did you know uh, what happened when you were sleeping last night? I'm not sure if you knew. Uh, but what I'm trying to say here is that Satan is trying again to twist the word of God, the teaching of the Bible. And he's coming up with this immortality of the soul. We're not understanding that when God speaks about the soul and in other parts of the Bible says that the soul who will sin will surely die. God mentions mentions that. And as I said, we need another program to talk about uh, the immortal soul. And probably we'll do that. We'll uh, tackle this uh, subject a little bit more. But if anyone has a question mark in regard to the immortal soul, please contact us and we'll be very happy to do a, a Bible study in that regard to find out more. I believe, Ken and panel, as we see the craftiness of the evil one, he will come with all sorts of things to twist our mind and understanding of the truth of the gospel. And we need to be careful on that. Yes, that's very true, Nick. I do think it is important just to touch on this because so many people today do believe that the soul is immortal. So does it matter that that God said, uh, Adam and Eve would surely die, but I think it is. But Denise, do you still think people believe this today, that mankind has an immortal soul? Definitely, um, Ken. There's a very common belief today that we don't actually die when we die, that we part of our body goes to heaven or goes somewhere, and that we can still see our loved ones and hear what's going on on earth. Books, movies, television programs all promote this idea um, and it's a very unfortunate idea um, uh, and it's believed by many Christian churches today. Even science has gotten involved. There's a foundation in America trying to create technology that will enable people to contact the dead, whom they believe are still alive, existing in another state known as post-material person. The problem with this belief is that it does away with um, the return of Jesus. We don't need, if we are still alive when we die and we go somewhere, 
there doesn't need to be a second coming. So this is really going to have a big impact on the final events of human history. Good point, Denise. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Brenton, do you think Eve knew what the results of her sin would cause? And the simple answer, again, is no. <laughs> I don't think she did. But let me go into, into it a little more detail. There's a statement that I just found while you were talking, which I thought was interesting. Um, both Adam and Eve flattered themselves that God may yet excuse their sin because of his great love for them. In other words, they, the first, one of the first things that happened as a result of sin is we know about guilt. We know about the fact that they recognized they were naked. We found that in verse seven, they covered themselves with, um, some fig leaves that they'd put together as garments to uh, cover their nakedness. I believe that a number of things happened as a result of their sin. Their relationship, the most important one is their relationship to God was damaged, um, it seemed, irreparably. God no longer walked and talked in the garden with them after this. So you had that particular issue as well, but... Their relationship to one another changed as well. I know you've given me a verse 7 to verse 19, which is a fair bit to sort of cover, so I'll try and uh, synopsize it as quickly as I can. Uh, when you get down to verse 14, you start on the sentencing, if you will. The sentencing was that the serpent would be car- uh, cursed above all cattle on the earth. Now, we know from other sources, extra-biblical sources, that uh, serpents in the days we're talking about actually flew through the air and they had the colour of burnished gold. In other words, they were beautiful creatures. They were considered to be one of the wisest of creatures. Mm-hmm. Most people today without have an abhorrence of snakes I don't like snakes, and I doubt that any of our panel member actually uh, probably have a snake as a pet. Um, most of us don't like snakes. So um, that's the first curse. The second curse was that he said to Eve she would have trouble in childbirth. And, of course, all women who have ever had children could um, say amen to that one, I think. But the relationship between Adam and Eve changed. In verses 17 to 19, it talks about your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. I'm not going to go into great detail on that. What was said earlier in the uh, panel discussion is correct. Adam and Eve were created equal. However, the relationship between them changed after sin. It seems as though Adam was appointed as I could use the word rule, but he was appointed as a more or less in a guardian role. If I was to have a look at that in tw- how it looks in 2022, we live in a very, very different word. We have uh, feminine empowerment. We have all sorts of things going on at the present time. Men have abused their relationship with women in many cases. I'm being quite open and honest now. We have not, uh, I believe, fulfilled the role that God would have us to fulfill uh, towards our wives, our mothers, and others who um, are close and dear to us. So all of those things changed. I don't think Eve had any idea in taking the fruit, eating it, and seducing Adam into eating it as well. 
I don't think she had any idea of the long-term consequences. If they really did believe that God would excuse them and uh, say, oh, that's okay, you made a bit of a slip up, but keep going, you'll be okay, um, we wouldn't have had a Bible, would we? <laughs> we wouldn't have had the plan of redemption play out. We wouldn't have had uh, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now, this is talking singular. When you read this verse in its context, verse 15, it's talking about an individual that would come and crush the head of the serpent. So um, they're just some of the consequences, Ken, of um, Eve's sin and Adam's sin that I believe they didn't have any idea of at the time that they did this. Thank you, Brenton. Len, this was a very sad state of affairs because not only did this event affect Adam and Eve, but all mankind ever since, which includes you and me. As Satan was expelled from heaven, he was cast down to earth along with his followers and has been wreaking havoc ever since, not only on the planet, but all of mankind. We read in Revelation, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Would you like to comment on this? Here's just a couple of quick comments. I can imagine heaven was very happy when Satan was expelled, just like if you've got a splinter in your finger that's been bothering you, you're happy when it's been removed and you don't have that pain all the time. The problem was it shifted. It shifted from heaven to earth. And unfortunately, we all have been affected by what happened. Satan is still here, still doing his business of deception, and we've all fallen for him at some stage. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'm sure that pretty much all this horrible mess that happens here on earth is due to that and the fact that it's been passed down perhaps even through our genes to do what is wrong. But thank God he has provided a an antidote for it. Brenton. Just a quick one on this one. Um, we started out by talking about how he told them they would not surely die, didn't we? And they didn't know what death was. Neither did Satan at that point in time. By the time Christ came to the earth and died on the cross, they knew full well what death was because the very first child that they had, which we'll touch in another study, was the world's first murderer. He murdered his brother. So they began to see what um, death meant. And it's interesting that John talks in First John, I think it is how Christ came to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That's interesting. We think that Christ came to save us from our sins. He did. He also came to destroy the one who was responsible for death. And so death and the devil go together. In the lake of fire, we're told that Hades and hell and death and the devil are all destroyed and God's earth is re remade brand new. I reckon that's good news. <laughs> that's a really good point, uh, Brenton. Uh, we read a moment ago in Revelation 12 and 12 about Satan knows he has a short time. Now, some of you may be wondering, 
what it means he knows he has a short time. Joe, would you explain this one? Well, Satan probably hoped he didn't have a very short time. Um, <laughs> in fact, Satan had hoped that the showdown with Christ on this earth would have gone very differently, that he would have been successful in proving his point that goodness is too hard and limited our freedom to be ourselves. Each of us could be masters of our own destiny without any real need for God. Well, as we know, Satan would have been watching Christ writhing in agony, crying out to God, why have you forsaken me? And it would have looked good to him at that stage. He would have felt that all his efforts were finally successful. Well, that is from his own point of view, but not from the point of view of the onlooking universe. In fact, one writer said that it was at the cross that the very last sympathetic ties with Satan were finally severed. But I believe it was actually Mm -hmm. at the resurrection and Jesus had not stayed dead because he'd been obedient and faithful to the end. And it was then that Satan knew for sure that he'd been defeated and was now awaiting his own judgment and end. He had no way of exactly knowing how much time he had left. And when you had no one, the potential of eternity, a thousand years would seem like a short time. A day, in fact. So can you imagine he had eternity before him as an unfallen angel and now he knows that death is imminent, not sure how much time is left, but he knows that it's not that long, not when, not when you compare it to eternity. And we know how quickly a day passes, don't we? So now we have woe to you, O earth. He's mad and he's making every minute count. His fate is sealed and he's now fighting. I mean, he, he's gone but he's now fighting to destroy as many as he can because his time is almost up. Yes, that's a very good point. Mankind at this stage is in a real mess and was not looking good. Jerry, was there any hope for mankind? Well, absolutely there was. Um, But if you just wind the clock back a bit um, and you see what God originally intended was to create a, a perfect environment for for the human family, um, everything was absolutely fantastic. We would call it paradise, heaven on earth, if you like, a life that would never end, a life that would be in perfect harmony with uh, the creator and with each other and with their environment. And look what happened. It all, it all falls apart because of disobedience and sin. So, yes. you know, it's, it's just a debacle, but. What do we read in the Gospels? And the Gospel, of course, is good news. Uh, and, and the best good news could be summed up, as we, as most of our listeners would know as well, in John 3.16, that God loved the world so much, so much, that he gives his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, so God clearly wants to restore and win back what was lost and if you unpack that, then you see at what immense cost uh, to God, to the Godhead, uh, to regain what was lost. And uh, if I could just quickly quote another verse from Scripture that I really like, it's found in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says, For he made him who knew no sin, that is, for, for the Father made him, the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a, what a divine transaction that is. You couldn't wish for a better deal that, um, 
Jesus, the Son, takes our position. He pays the penalty for our sins. And in exchange, through faith, we receive his righteousness and his perfection, his everlasting life. And what a deal that is. What, what, a, what a tremendous solution to the sin problem. So, uh, yes, there is hope. There is a blessed hope that Paul talks about in Titus, the blessed hope that um, all this will be a thing of the past and that God will recreate everything, make all things new. What a wonderful future there is for those who exercise faith in Christ as their saviour. Joe, a quick comment? Something that's um, been something that I've noted while studying this is the the power of our choices to transform. We we have what you know seen Lucifer, the archangel beside God, next to God, being transformed to the devil and the serpent, Satan, the adversary, and so we can see that this didn't happen overnight. These were series of poor choices that had transformed Lucifer into the devil, and the power of the transforming power of choice that we have today—that the choices that we make will shape us in some way or another. So, doesn't it behove us to make choices that are God's will rather than? our own, like Eve, our own reasoning, our own logic, what seems good in our own minds. So, yeah, something that's sort of become more apparent to me while we've been studying this. Thank you, Joe. Well, as death came into this world by one person, so life everlasting came into this world by one person, Jesus. He freely gives to all who love him and keep his commandments, as we read in John 14 and 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, listeners, I'm afraid we're just about out of time again. But what we've just read, this is very good news for a fallen world. God has made a get-out-of-jail card available to anyone who comes to him and confesses Jesus is the Son of God. And as we have just read in John, love him and keep his commandments, which again is mentioned in Revelation 14 and 12, where it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The return of Jesus is getting closer. Time is running out for this world. God is delaying earth's last day, but not for much longer. If you have not accepted Jesus yet, you should check him out soon. He's waiting for you. He has so much to offer. What are you waiting for? Leecha, would you like to close in prayer? Gracious, our loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for your divine love towards the disobedient first pair and later on humanity. Thank you that you planned ahead a solution, a plan B, in order to save the fallen in spite of the failure. Father, thank you so much that you searched for us for offering your extended grace and mercy through your invitation. Thank you for creating again your robes of righteousness through Jesus' gracious sacrifice to cover our nakedness, securing our forgiveness and redemption. Thank you so much for Jesus, the Prince of the Universe who became humanity's Redeemer and Savior through his victorious Deliberate sacrifice for us, becoming the Messiah, the victor against sin, darkness, despair, and condemnation. 
Father, please help us to understand your divine love towards us. Yes. And accept it by loving you in return and be obedient to your precepts and guidelines. Help us to rely on your power to reject the ugly sin, to oppose the evil temptations that will come across our lives and not to suffer the consequences of sin, but to rely on your word of love, divine wisdom, and kingship authority, to be able to become conquerors of sin through Jesus, for your honor and glory. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, everyone, for your input on this um, not-so-easy topic talking about uh, death in a sinful world. We started with rebellion in a perfect universe, but uh, wait for next one. And please join us because we are going to talk about understanding human nature. Mm -hmm. That will be a quite big one. I will invite you, my dear friend, to join us again. Until then, may God bless you and uh, walk in the footsteps of Jesus, obeying his commandments.